0: doing this morning i'm still running on a good high from friday night we just had such an awesome time in worship i said to john afterwards he just didn't want to get up from his chair and i said john you're going to need some jumper cables there we got to boost you and get you out the door go get you home on that drive and he said oh no i'm just sitting in that piece that you spoke it was such an awesome time man We just got to keep stirring our hearts in these times. There's so many things that we can give our attention to and our time to that are going to suck the life out of us. You know there's only so much news you can watch before you realize like i gotta turn this off i gotta pray i gotta worship i gotta go have a good conversation and if it i love what jesus said he said you know if your eye is light your whole body will be filled with light but if your eye is dark your whole body will be flooded with dark and he said if your body is dark how great is that darkness and so we get a choice on what we focus on and what we get to consume our soul. where our, What our mind and our will and our emotions are focused around. Man, I, I just love that song that we were singing at the end there. It is well. It is well with my soul. And as we finish that, I was just hearing the other old song. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And because he lives, all fear is gone. For I know he holds the future. Yes. Yeah. Whew, and life is worth living just because he lives. And I started my message last week saying, I'm reminding you guys, no matter what you see on the news, no matter what you hear from your friends, we are living in good days. And like, how can you say that, Pastor Jordan? Because if you're in the generation that sees Jesus split the sky, that'll be the greatest event in history. When the trump sounds, the clouds part, and he says, come on home, my sons and daughters. That's a great day. You're living in a day when people are losing hope, and you've got hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. No, there's nothing else I can put my hope in. Nothing else will be a firm foundation. But, man, is he ever an appropriate anchor in the storm. It's one that can't be moved. And so we anchor ourselves in what he has said about us and not what's going on. Yeah, there's crappy things going on. We can say that. It's not, faith is not denial. I just believe there's something higher than that, and his name is Jesus. Yes. And as we were saying this morning, we're just singing his name, singing his name. We have to remember that every knee bows to Jesus. Every name that is named, you can find a name, it bows to Jesus. There is nothing higher. And so you got to start speaking Jesus into your situations, Jesus into your life. And when when things are getting you down, let Jesus bring you back up. Let him put the the supercharger cables on you and give you a good old zap. You know, we often forget that you're at the control of the pipeline. There can be an entire waterfall surging and powering and filling up the pipes. But if you don't turn on the tap, man get dry. We get to turn on the pipes. We get to turn on the power. We get to let that flow to us by our choices and our perspectives. And this has nothing to do with my message, but it's good and I won't apologize for it. Say this with me. I hunger. I hunger for you, God. I hunger for for growth. I growth. I I hunger to see the goodness of God. In the land of the living, a hunger for peace, a hunger for righteousness. God, I hunger for you. And you could say, Pastor Jordan, why do you make me repeat all these things after you? Because sometimes you just need a little shake and a little nudge. You need to go ahead and get your mind off of what you're thinking about and let words of life flow out maybe you're feeling i'm dry i'm dry go ahead and say i'm hungry i'm thirsty i let god flow to me who we let words of faith and we were talking on friday morning about how powerful the tongue is james says it's like the rudder of a great ship it can turn the whole course of your life wherever you're going so if you're saying this sucks this sucks this sucks guess what boom, you're crashing into those things. I would rather speak life into my situations. I would rather speak the great de- de- destinations that God has spoke over me. So we've been saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. No hunger, no thirst, no filling. we got to remember that. No hunger, no thirst, no filling. But blessed or happy is the one who has a hunger. Who yes. and you can stir up a hunger? Yes. I can stir up in a hunger you right in you right now. Who yeah. likes turkey? Yeah. man. You ever, like, you know, the whole preparation process that you go through, you know, you, you clean it, you, you clean all the, the, the stuff that Toph would eat that everybody else throws out, you know, like the, the heart and the kidneys and all that stuff. You know, you, you clean it all out, you, you start prepping the bird, you know, you, you put it in the oven, you're basting it, and you got your seasonings on it, and it just starts to fill the whole house with the aroma as it's cooking. And as that aroma just fills in, it builds your anticipation and you may not have been hungry when you started the process but a hunger begins to stir man you can make yourself hungry you don't you know, wanna know how I know this is true every second commercial on TV is about food yes. man I'm so glad that I don't have regular TV I why well, I stream everything but I whenever I go to pastor Robbins and he's got regular TV on or anywhere else it's like it's like man there's just so much fast food commercials everywhere why cuz they're trying to stir a hunger thinking Oh, do I I've got enough time? I can run down to McDonald's right now. I can grab a Big Mac and a fry, you know, a super-sized Coke. You know, they're stirring up hunger in you. And if you can do it in natural things, you can do it in spiritual things. Yes. Whew, so we're, we're nine weeks into this series on the hunger, and I'm endeavoring to, ter- to bring my part in for a landing. Pastor Robin's going to do his part of the hunger next week. But man, we've been so many places in the last nine weeks or this eight weeks this is week number nine but so we need to remember where we've gone you know i have a hard time remembering what i have for breakfast sometimes so who remembers what we did nine weeks ago well we said that 2022 will be a season of healing for many in the body of christ it will be a season of healing and i said for many and not for all because not everybody will flow with god Not everybody will step into his healing flows and believe the promise and receive it, but I choose that I'm going to be one of those. And I don't just mean this as a physical healing. There's emotional healing that's going to take place and that should already have been taking place in this year. There's a spiritual binding up of him healing your wounds that is going to be taking place. And that's why we say, God, I'm hungry for growth. Because it's not just about solving the problem you're in, It's about growing you so that you don't end up in it again. Because we often go round and round the mountain. Oh, here, I'm in this problem again. I had this problem 10 years ago, and I'm having it now. No, we need to allow God to grow us so that the next time it comes up, you're just like, I recognize you. Come on. That we can see clearly. You should make it part of your daily confessions. I see and I hear. I know when God's moving. I recognize his presence. I know what he wants to do, and I'm obedient to flow. We have to grow, or we go around the mountain over and over and over and over, and God's saying, stop circling the mountain and come up the mountain. Stand on the top with me in my presence. Ooh, remember Jesus took, took three of his disciples up the hill with him and he was transfigured in the glory of God and it just began to shine and radiate out of them that Peter starts having a fit going, whoo, it's good that we be here. It's good that we're here. We should build a temple for you and for you and for you and God just envelops Jesus in a cloud and calls out and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, which is God's wonderful way of saying, shut up, Peter, and enjoy the moment. Woo. <laughs> you got to say that to your mind sometimes yes. Shut up soul We're going to praise God yes. Shut up soul We're going to open the word of God And we're going to have an awesome time in his yes. presence yes. Hallelujah So 2022 will be a season of healing For many in the body of Christ And hunger is a drive that leads us to pursue Come on yes. When we stir up hunger It gets you up off the couch right Right you know, you may be sitting watching the couch on the couch and you're watching things and you're getting hungry. What does it drive you to do? It gets you up out of the seat, you walk to the kitchen and you make food, you find food. It's the same way with an athlete when they're hungry, it causes them to pursue and put in the reps so that when they are it's time for their team to fight, when it's time for them to play, they've put in the reps and they know that they can overcome and so hunger will draw you to pursue something. And I hope that hunger is drawing you to pursue God because he's the only thing that can satisfy. We said that hunger is a cycle. You've been hungry before, and you've been filled, but guess what? You'll be hungry again. Go ahead and commit yourself to the cycle that, yeah, God, I choose to become hungry and come back to the table over and over again because once is not enough. We're not a a one-time thing with God, oh, I'm so glad I'm saved and going to heaven. No, I want to experience heaven here. Just as Jesus prayed with his disciples, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. He came and made heaven and earth in a spiritual place together. So that you understand where you are seated in heavenly places with Christ, just because you feel like you're having a bad day in the natural, I'm having a great day in the presence of God spiritually. And so I let that reality flood to this one. Natural things have to bow to spiritual things. When you speak to the mountain, it has to move. And hunger is a cycle because you're meant to come back often, not just often, daily. And that's why David said, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. The God of our salvation, Salah, or think about that. If he daily loads you with benefits, but you haven't been in a long time, there's a lot of benefits that were left on the table that have not been beneficial to you in your life. He daily loads us with benefits. I like what Smith Wigglesworth said. He he said, we feed our spirit or our body three warm meals a day, but our spirit one cold snack a week. No, we got to come to the table multiple times a day, as often as you think it. Even when we think about about, uh, communion, uh, Jesus said, as often as you drink this cup and eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. For them, that was every meal. It wasn't a, an occasional thing like we would do as church. I know Pastor Wendy's been really pushing me. He's like, we got to do communion more often. We got to do it more often. You can do it as much as you want. You want to do it 40 times a day? Go ahead and do it. Get some stuff at home. Grab a piece of bread or a cracker. Grab some juice or pop or water if that's all you drink. And bless it in the name of Jesus and partake it. Man, do it in remembrance. We said that there's two factors that contribute to hunger, and they are. Time and activity. You eat at the table, and guess what? You will be hungry again. You're away long enough. You will begin to hunger. Come on. You eat in the morning. You skip lunch. By supper time, you're like, "Yeah, I'm starting to feel a little hunger." Why? Because time stirs up hunger. The other thing is activity. You put a little food in and then go put a hard day's work in, guess what? You're going to be hungry faster than you would have been if you just let time take its place. Because you're burning up what you received at the table. And that's what God wants you to do. You come to the table, you receive from him, and then we go and use it. Come on, that's why the Bible says we are doers of the word and not just hearers only. And so we got to do something. We have a responsibility to this world to do something with what we receive from the table. There are people that only you can reach. There's people that will only read the Bible that is written on your heart. We have a responsibility to the world to take from the table, become living epistles, and let them be read by those around us. For people that I will never meet, but you will. That's why we're the body of Christ. We're not the pastor of Christ. We're the body of Christ. We've got things to do. But over and over we've been saying, hunger brings us to the table of the master. Come on, we can switch. We can do this. Come on. Don't you love technology? Come on. Hunger brings us to the table. I may need you to jump on there. Hunger brings us to the table. We have lost connection. There we go. Hunger brings us to the table of the master. It brings us to God where we are to live out our days in his presence. And so last week we preached a message, a very important message, that I believe is very pivotal to the body of Christ in this time. And it's a place called there. The reason why we need to come to the table Is because when we're with the master, when we're with Father God, where he moves, we move to. And as we keep ourselves in his presence, we find ourselves where he wants us to be, doing what we need to be doing. You know, that's very important. Come on. We need to be where he wants us to be, doing what he needs us to do, because that's where his blessing is. That's where his blessing is. And so today, I want to piggyback off of that message. And I want to go and take a look at what the enemy wants to do because you're in your there. What's the last thing he wants? is for you to be in your there. He wants you to be out of position. He wants you to be disconnected from God. He wants you to fail. But I have something really, 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 really important to tell you right now. He's a liar! (laughs) And if he's telling you that, you know the opposite is true. Because the only thing he knows how to do is to lie. And so if he's trying to get you out of the place that God has called you to, he's a liar. And he'll just continue lying and, lying and lying and lying and lying and lying and in in order to provoke you to do something. Because the reality is, he is absolutely powerless. Jesus went like this. <laughs> On his head. It said that it crushed his head and it bruised Jesus' heel. And I believe Jesus would say, the bruise was worth it. And so he wants you to get out of your position. He wants you to not follow after the things that God has called you to. And so today I want to go back to the very beginning. There's we need to understand what God's intentions were and we need to know what the enemy did because of it because he has no new tricks. He is not very bright. And so he does the same things over and over and over again. So you can join me over in Genesis chapter 1 and in verse 26. Pastor Robin, I may need your Bible because this is not working. Thank you very much. That's good. Genesis chapter 1 and in verse 26. Doreen, are you going to follow along with me for them? Perfect. Perfect. This is what God said. We have to look at his intentions for us first before we do anything else. And it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, and according to our likeness, and let them have dominion or authority over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all of the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So the first thing is this is a conversation between Father God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And he said, let us, this is what we've decided we're going to do. This is what we've decided we want man to be. This is what we've decided we want man to have access to. Woo. How many know that what God thinks is better than what we think? Yeah. So this is telling us what God thinks about you. He said, let's make them like us. Woo. He didn't say, let's make them little puppies. He didn't say, let's make them little worms. He said, no, let's make them like us. Why, do we, why are we called the sons of God and the daughters of God? Because that's what you are and he doesn't procreate outside of his own nature. He was looking for something a little different. He already had all of the angels that would do whatever he wanted whenever he did it. He didn't need another servant. He wanted a son and he wanted a daughter and you are those sons and daughters. And so here we see the intentionality of God. He says, I'm gonna make them in my image. I'm gonna make them in my likeness and guess what? Everything will be subject to them. Now, intentions are great. Follow-throughs are better. Next verse, please. Verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, male and female. God had a thought, God had an intention, and then God went ahead and did it. God's the one who follows through. And so, now, if you want to join me over in chapter 2, I want to spend most of our time there because I believe there's a lot of things that we need to understand Woo, in this. Come on. Verse n- number 1 of chapter 2. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. What translation do you got here? Okay. I think yours is a little more outdated than mine. Yeah. I think, that, I think you don't have the latest update. <laughs> Thus the heavens and the earth and all of the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Verse number 3. It says, Then God blessed the seventh day, and he sanctified it, or he set it apart. Because in it, he rested from all of his work which God had created and made god sanctified one of the seven days of the week for a day of rest he set it apart to not be like the others that's what sanctified means it means to take from something and pull it out over here and say i've got a special purpose for you i've got a special use for you and after six days of creation god took the seventh and he said this is a day we're going to rest This is going to be a day where we worship. This is a day where we receive from peace. This is a day where we allow ourselves to be revived. And we carry out that idea to this day. We take one day a week, we gather together as children of God, and we rest from our regular work, and we take time to worship and rejoice Him for what He's done and what He said. Man, if God thought it was important enough to say, I think, guys, we need to sit down, we need to take a special day. Then if he called it special, we should call it special. You know, as in the body of Christ, we consider it the Sunday, the Lord's Day. Um, uh, the Jews, they celebrate it on Saturday. They call it the Sabbath. It's their day of rest. But whatever it is you do, you better take some time to honor what God has honored. Yes. We honor what he honors. Of all the things you could honor, whatever he chooses, honor that. Verse number four, it says this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. Now this is a little bit perplexing and I've heard a lot of different scholars argue over this. Do we actually have two different creation accounts? What was Genesis one and then why did verse four does he start creating again? One was the outline, the other was the details. You know, all we get in chapter 1 is let there be light, let there be animals, let there be land, let there be stars, let there be moon. And then he says, and he created God, created man in verse 26 and 27. Chapter 2 gives us a picture into his heart and his process. There's a difference between knowing what God did and knowing his heart and his processes. And so in verse 5 it says, before any... Plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. Verse number six. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And so God's system was there hadn't been rain, but He let mist come up from. And you want to know why? Because God can do what He wants. It may not be the way it happens now, but God gets to do what He wants. And when he created it, this is how he did it. Verse number seven, please. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And we kind of wish that our creation process was a little prettier than this, but God just basically made a mud monster. You know, your kids have done it. You know, they make up some mounds and they make some creations. Well, God did the same thing. He just kind of put some dust together, and then it says he breathed. Or he blew in your direction. Man, I've been having something stirring in my heart the last few weeks. I said that the wind of the Spirit is blowing across this land. Man, there is a wind that is originating from God that is blowing across this land. And it is bringing transformation. And it is bringing change. And you can choose to stand in the wind and let yourself be pushed. Or you can just say, God, I throw up my sails and I flow with you. He breathed. For he blew into man, into his nostrils, he got face to face. And it says he breathed the breath of life. The word for breath is spirit. He breathed the part of himself into you, and then there was God life in you. Yes. We're talking about God's intentions and how he wanted things to be. Come on, this is all important. Next verse, please. Verse number 8. It says, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and everyone say this with me, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Adam and Eve had a there that God had created just for them, and he planted them right there in Eden, in their there. And so just as you have a there, they had a there. And so when we see what the enemy launched against them, it's the same things he's going to try to do to you. As he said, he has no new tricks. And so they were in their there. Next verse, please. And it says, and out of the ground the Lord God made every tree to grow, that it was pleasant to the sight and good for food. Think about that for a second. Pleasant to the sight and good for food. God wasn't just interested in feeling their natural needs. Could have just made food. But he made things that were pleasant to the sight just for them to enjoy. Religion will tell you, well, God, yeah, he'll he'll supply your needs, just get you by, just enough. God's not just interested in your needs. He wants to fill the desires of your heart as well. For no reason, he put trees that were good to look at, just so that they could go, Oh, that's nice. They didn't serve a purpose functionally. They weren't eating them. It was just for them to say, Wow, what an artist. What a God. And the tree of life was in the midst. Everyone say midst. In the middle. Right in the middle of their lit, le- there was the tree of life. And. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Next verse, please. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four riverheads. Why does it matter the geographical locations of where these rivers go? It's more important where they come from. It says a river went out you understand that when you're in you're there not just you gets blessed but things flow out from where you are to other areas and touch other places when you're in you're there you are effective and you infect others around you and it was a river a river is in the bible is usually a type of the holy spirit Jesus said, Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And so, out of their Eden, out of their there, life was flowing out to other places. And it says it didn't just flow one place, it parted and went four places. God has the ability to take the blessings that He's poured out on you and multiply them so that they have greater effect. Whoo. Come on. And the name, that's that's okay, during turn it. The name of the first was Pishon. And it is which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. They didn't need gold. There was no economic system. It was just Adam and Eve, right? They didn't need gold, but God knew what they would need. And so he bothered to tell them, follow this river and that's where you find the gold. And the gold of that land was good. It wasn't even just mediocre gold. It was good gold. And there was bedellum and onyx stone there. Come on. God was even looking ahead to when they would no longer be in the garden. Even though he wanted them in the garden, he was preparing. He prepared ahead of time. And you know that your God is already going before you. He's preparing things for you so that when you step onto the scene, when you get in the place that you are heading to next, God's already been there and prepared. Woo! Next verse, please. And the name of the second was Gahan, and it is one that goes out of the whole land of Cush. This, is, we believe, is in the the northern part of Africa, heading over towards the east And it's uh, basically, it's Ethiopia and Sudan and stuff. And uh, the Bible tells us that this is the land that uh, Abraham's wife came from. She was a person of Cush. And so God was preparing other lands as well that would be pivotal in the future. Next verse, please. The name of the third river was Hidekel, and it's one that goes towards the east of Assyria. We know Assyria and Syria now still exist. The fourth river is the Euphrates. Next verse, please. And the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden To tend and to keep. So not only was man in the garden just to pull some fruit, he was also there to keep it, to guard it, to exercise dominion over it, to have authority over it. Next verse. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Next verse. But the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Spoiler alert, we all know they ate it. (laughs) Right? Come on, I'm not ruining the story for anybody. But he said, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I don't want you to eat of it. And in the day that you eat of it, you will die. Now, it's not that God was holding back the knowledge of good and evil. We understand through the etymology of the words that it was having to experience good and evil. God does not hold back wisdom. God does not hold back knowledge from his children. He could have easily explained to him, them the difference between good and evil. But here, there was a tree that would allow them to experience that. Now, there's things that God would rather tell you than have you experience kind of like you don't want your kid to fall down the stairs to know that they shouldn't play right on the landing and push each other around. Right? God would rather say, don't push and shove at the top of the stairs rather than you fall down and say that was a bad idea. Right? Every child we know has probably put their hand on something hot and said, I instantly regret that. What was better is for the parent to say don't touch that. But man wanted to experience rather than just rely on the words of God. And we're still in that situation today. Most people would hear the word of God and they're like, oh, that's good, it's exciting, it's exciting. And rather than taking him as word, you know, that was good, God, but I'm going to do this instead. God's word is enough for us. Next verse, please. For if by one man's offense, this is in Romans chapter 5, looking at that death, because if, did, did they die physically when they ate of the apple or fruit no there was something different that was going on and it was a spiritual death that would spread and here in Romans chapter 5 verse 17 it says for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one meaning Adam much more those who receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ and so we have what Adam and Eve did, and it spread to all men. But what was greater is the work of Jesus, which has, a, when you receive an abundance of grace and the gift that he gives, man, it causes you to reign in life yes. and resulting in justification of life. Next verse. And it's, next verse, please. Oh, this the next verse. Sorry. Therefore, as through one man's offense, <laughs> judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. And so, there was something that took place in the garden. But I need you to know this morning what Jesus did holds a greater impact over you. We can look at this story of Adam and Eve and see what they lost, but we should rather look at Jesus and see what we've gained. And he said that grace, that abundance of grace, not just enough grace and an overflowing amount of grace causes us to reign in life through Jesus Christ. Okay, back to Genesis. And the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I'll make a helper comparable to him. Next verse. And out of the ground of the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. That's so awesome. We often talk, think about God creating everything, and everyone like that. then he just brought it to Adam. He said, this funny-looking thing with a long neck, what do you call it? And he's like, giraffe. And he's like, great, 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 great choice, Adam. You're now a giraffe. Move along. What about this one with a really long nose? Uh, elephant. Whew that is the power that god believed adam could handle that he could decide what things would be called mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we spent a lot of time talking this morning about your declaration saying it is well god is still looking to you what are you going to call it this is my doom, I'm not, everything's going down, it's not looking good. Or are you going to say, this is turning for my glory, it shall turn for my good. Come on, yeah. he's still looking to you. What are you yes. going to call it? Are gonna what are you going to call it? And whatever Adam called each of the living creatures, it was the name. Next verse. So Adam gave the name to all the cattle and to the birds of the air and to every beast of the field. And for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Next verse. And as God, the Lord God calls a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the, fl- uh, up the flesh in its place. Next verse. And then the rib which the Lord God had taken from him, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Next verse. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman woman because she was taken out of me. So Adam, just following the natural progression, God has brought everything else to me and I named it, here's a woman. You're now called woman. Man, that's, that's the, the responsibility and the ability that God gave to Adam and God thought it was a good thing. Whoo! Next verse please. Therefore man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Next verse. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Next verse. Now, verse chapter 3 is where we've said all of that just to get right here. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden has God indeed said what was he doing indeed is either used as a statement of confirmation or as a statement to reveal something even more surprising and so when Satan says to the woman has God indeed said, he's wanting to find out what she thinks and what she believes and what she knows because he's wanting to call it into question and tell her something surprising. You can look up the definition of indeed if you want. He gets you to question what God has said to you and about you. Number one thing he's going to do get you out of your there he wants you to question what god has said did god really call you to that was that god speaking to you come on i think maybe you just had bad pizza that night like you know maybe maybe what you thought you saw or what you thought you heard really wasn't real did god really say that to you did he really call you to that place come on we're recognizing the lies that the enemy spins has he actually said that you know he has no power over you other than what you give him if he could he would have just said god lied to you it's not true right from the get-go but what he needed to do was get eve thinking in a contrary way to what god had said next verse Eve's response the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, verse 3, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst, everyone say midst, yes. of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor touch it, lest you die. From the trees, go back to that one please. From the trees in the midst of the garden. We can't eat and from the stuff in the middle of the garden. That's not what God said. God took two trees in the middle of the garden. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He never said they couldn't eat of the tree of life. In fact, they could eat of the tree of life as much as they want. Do you know where the tree of life is today? The book of Revelation tells us that it's right outside the courts of God, that there's a river of life flows right beside it and it blooms in every season. Right now, we as the body of Christ need to partake of life. Because it's that which will heal the nations. We're not talking about governments, we're talking about people. We need to heal the nations. We need to partake of that life. You've got free access. What did we say when we were talking about the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the All of heaven stands at your disposal. Whatever you need, you take and you release out of you, out of your there into the areas around you. And so she said, But of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said, You shall not eat it, nor touch it. He actually never said, Don't touch it. He just said, Don't eat it, lest you die. Next verse. And the serpent said to her, You won't surely die. Has the, the devil ever lied to you that way? And be like, no, that's not how it is. You can't just speak to the mountains and they'll bow to you. No, no, no. He doesn't want to supply your needs. No, no, no. He doesn't want to heal your body. Whew, come on. He doesn't know any other tricks. He says, you will not surely die. Because the second thing he wants to do is to begin sowing seeds of doubt in and he may not get an immediate harvest, but the longer you entertain it, the stronger it gets. I like what Brother Hagen used to say. He said, you, you know, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from making a nest in your hair. And a thought may come, what do you do with it? What, are you, what place do you give it? Do you take that seed and say, that doesn't grow in my garden? He sows those seeds of doubt. Next verse. And it says, for God knows. This is what the serpent's saying. God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He said, in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. Make man in our image and in our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea or the birds of the air and everything that creeps upon the earth. And so it was. God created man in his image and his likeness. There was nothing true about this statement. And the enemy's going to lie to you and say, you're not what he said you are. You can't do what he said you can do. But he's a liar, and you know what you got to say? You lie, you fry. Devil, come on. You push this, and I'm going to go ahead and put my foot square between your teeth. Go ahead. It's okay for you to be a little unkind with the devil. Come on. If there's anything that you can use unkind words to, you want to curse something, curse the devil. You want to curse something, curse sickness. You want to curse something, curse lack. You don't have to be kind. Woo, come on. He said, you'll be just like God. And that's exactly what she was. Next slide. He wants you to believe that God is holding out. We often have the phrase that says, the grass is greener on the other side. That's because you're looking over there and not tending and keeping the there he's placed you in. Next slide. So the woman, she saw that the tree was good for food. Oh, it looks pretty good. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. It's one of those things that should have been enjoyed from a distance, right? One of those things where he said he put trees that were just pleasant to look at and trees that were there to eat. This is one of those ones, you look from a distance but don't eat. She saw that it was good for food and pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. Pretty sure she already was pretty wise. Pretty sure Adam was pretty wise too. There's A lot of animals. There's a lot of things, plants on this earth. You got to think, he wasn't, he wasn't that dumb. They were pretty wise. But she bought into the lie. That was the buy-in. Everything else was getting to this point where she now thinks of herself differently. She now views her situation differently. And she now views God differently. And that's the steps. God would feel like it's good to get off his throne and come and help you. These are the lies that the enemy speaks to you. So she took the fruit. She ate the fruit. And she gave to her husband with her. And he ate. And at this point you're like, Adam, what is your problem? You're telling me that that entire conversation, Adam was standing right there? Come on. What what, What was Adam's command? Tend it. Keep it. Tend the garden. Keep it. This is this is the this is the keep it part. This is where Adam failed. Eve takes it, she eats it, and says, Hey, it's pretty good actually, Adam. I'm not dead. You try. And so Adam eats of it. Next verse. He cannot make you eat. You must yield. He cannot make you leave your there. You must yield. He can't make you stay broke. You must yield. He can't make you stay sick. You must yield. He can't make you stop helping others. You must yield. He can't make you stop worshiping. You must yield. And in everything that our life is pushing us to these points, will I yield to God or will I yield to everything else? And Adam and Eve bought into the lie and said, okay, let's do it. Let's try it. Next verse. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves coverings. Next verse. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And so now we have this moment where they've taken themselves out of their there. They've removed the covering or the blessing that God had commanded, to be upon them in that place. And what is the immediate reaction of it? Run and hide from God. Get away from the presence of God. And everything we've been preaching for the last nine weeks about the hunger is you need to run to God. Don't hide yourself from God. Present yourself before Him. Doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter where you've been, whatever the past has been, come before the Lord. Don't hide. get in the presence of God. that when you're in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy and there's peace forevermore. When you come before God there's always forgiveness. And so when God came down and they heard him walking in the cool of the day, their position should have been run to him and say, God, we screwed up. But when we have that feeling of shame and they looked at themselves like, oh crap, we're naked. We better do something about this. Get me some leaves. Let's sew them together. Oh, there's God. Let's get behind the bush. God knew where they were. He knew what they'd done. And he came anyways. Next verse. And the Lord called to Adam and said, Where are you? He knew exactly where he was. He was looking. What was Adam's response? If we think about the forgiving nature and the loving nature of God, if they would have come and got before him, he would have found a solution right there. And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And so God asked some questions of himself, of his own. Verse 11. He said, who told you you're naked? Didn't realize this was a problem yesterday. It says they were naked, and they were not ashamed. So it wasn't a problem the day before. So he said, who, who told you that you're naked? He says, have you? eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the answer should have been, yes, God, we did. But that's not what they did. Next verse. The woman whom you gave me, God, she gave me from the tree and I ate it. It's not my fault, God. I know I ate of it and you told me not to, but I'm not going to accept the blame for this situation. It's all her, this woman that you've given me. Come on. Come on. We've all been there. It's not my fault, God. It's because of the situation. I just didn't have what I needed. Maybe I got my timings wrong, and I was in the wrong place at the right time or the wrong time, or I'm so confused, I don't know which one, where I should have been. It's just not me, God, Surely It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's hers. It's theirs. It's anybody's. Blame stops with you. You always take responsibility for your choices and what you've done, and guess what? god forgives so he says it's the woman next verse and the lord god said to the woman well what have you done looking for her response and he said it's the serpent it's his fault it's his fault and we have the blame chain i wonder if we would have asked the serpent what this what the serpent said well you know i was just seeing what i could get away with today come on the blame chain will just keep on going It's not Ottawa's fault. It's the provincial government's fault. It's the federal government's fault. Well, it's not the hospital's fault. It's the health health unit's fault. Come on. Everyone wants to point fingers in this day. Nobody wants to be at fault. As a Christian, stand up and say, I'll take the blame. We'll sort this out, me and God. Come on. So the blame stops. Next slide. Unless Satan should take advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices that's what paul said in second corinthians chapter 2 11 we're not ignorant of how he operates because has he tried to get them out of their there is the same way he's going to try and get you out of your there but guess what you're not ignorant anymore you're not going to let him sow seeds of doubt you're not going to let him question whether or not you heard god or god was true you're not going to let him lie to you you're not ignorant of his devices and the tree of life is still available for you today you want to know how you have access next verse the thief he comes to steal kill and destroy but Jesus said I have come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly let's stand to our feet father we thank you for who you have made us to be. We're not illegitimate children. We're not of an inferior stock. No, we are sons and daughters of Almighty God. We have been made in your likeness and in your image. You have a good plan for us. You have a future and a hope that we will stand in the place that you have called us to do. You have, we will do what you have called us to be doing in this time. We know the importance of these days, Lord. We know that with everything going on in the world around us, we have to stand up and say, I shall not be moved. I won't be shaken. I won't be blown to the left. I won't be blown to the right. I'll be blown by the winds of the Holy Spirit to wherever it is you need me to be in this time. But I choose, I will stay hungry. I will run to your presence and I will be in my there because that's where you've called me. And Father, right now, we just speak unity in the body of Christ. We're not just talking about it here in Word Church. We speak to the churches in this community and the churches across this country and around the world. Father, that you would stir up such a spirit of unity that churches would come together despite their differences, despite the different ways they believe, but they would come together in the unity. Of Christ in Jesus' name we speak it over them we thank you Father that in the day of Pentecost it said when they were all in one accord that their place was shaken and the Holy Spirit was able to move among them Father even in this place bring us closer and closer to your heart and closer and closer to each other Father that we would be able to rely on each other that we'd be able to depend on each other to have someone to have our back when the days get dark and the times seem hard. Father, we thank you that we can stand together. We can agree together. We can believe you together. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Maybe you've been watching us this morning via the internet or you're here in this place and you haven't opened up that door to let Jesus into your life. All you have to do is just ask. He says, all those who call upon my name shall be saved. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't win your way to heaven. But you can let go of your strength and receive his. So right now, let's pray right now. Say, Father, I ask for Jesus. I receive him into my life right now. I turn from all else. I turn only to you. And I step into newness of life. you just prayed that prayer with us we would love for you to get in contact with us we would love to get you hooked up with a good church in your area get some resources into your hands if you're in the Smith Falls area we say welcome home we want to walk this journey together with you because we're stirring up hunger together go ahead and say that I hunger I hunger for you God I hunger for growth I hunger to see the goodness of God right here In this land, in my land, in my there, where you have called me to be. A hunger for peace. A hunger for righteousness. A hunger for you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer for anything, our our word care will be right up. Team will be at the front here. They would love to stand with you, agree with you, believe with you. No matter what's going on, you should have someone who can... God with you. So take advantage of that. If you want to give this morning, you can do so at wordchurch.ca forward slash give or you can, there's an envelope in front of you and a basket at the back. We just thank you for partnering together with us because there's a world to win and we're going to do everything we can to reach those people. Amen. You guys are blessed. Have a wonderful week. Let's have some coffee and great conversations.